0: Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday presented by DraftKings. What a weekend for DraftKings, by the way. You got the six games that you can bet on, but also what an unbelievable daily fantasy opportunity on the regular DraftKings app. Make sure you check out both of the DraftKings apps. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. I would guess that most of you know that if you're listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, but... Hey, we could get new listeners every episode. You don't know, we got new people watching on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL every week. I know people come just because they want to hear Greg Cosell. So yeah, I'm a former NFL offensive lineman. It was an awesome temp job in my 20s and it enabled me to do this, which is really cool. Have a bunch of podcasts like the Even Money podcast for betting on the games. Fantasy Feast podcast, if you want to know which... Guys to put in your daily lineups this weekend. The College Draft Podcast, we went over 20 prospects. The 20 best prospects for Monday night's Ohio State-Alabama game. Check out the College Draft Podcast. You will enjoy that. Speaking of a teaching tutorial Thursday, that means we'll have Greg Cosell. We will actually start to get into draft stuff with Greg Cosell in February after the Super Bowl. So we've got quite the year coming up. For you guys, quite the next few months. We will have a spread the word winner tomorrow. It's crazy easy. Just engage with at Ross Tucker NFL or at Ross Tucker pod in any way on any platform. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. It all counts. We'll have a sponsor confirmation email winner. So all you have to do for this one, it maybe even just listen to the True Underdog podcast. Prove that you did. It's a pretty easy sponsor confirmation email winner. And then we'll have a YouTube shout out which I love so much because it's pretty easy for me to do, just do a quick 30-second shout-out on my phone, post it to YouTube, and you guys are happy about it because you give it to whoever you like. So, YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Love when we get new patrons. Patreon.com slash RT Media. That's how you can get all of our even money bets, all of our press box food rankings, all of my Friday picks, et cetera. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, so most weeks, I text Greg Cosell and say, hey, Greg, I want to ask you about this and this and that. Uh, Is there anything else I should ask you about? Yeah, we watched a lot of this guy. I'd like to comment on. No text needed, Greg. This was a a no-text-needed week because you and I both know what time it is. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the NFL playoffs, and I believe that usually means, Greg, do you have shows on both Saturday and Sunday? I don't want to speak out. No, a no. The
2: way it works, and I don't control this, is uh, we just have three shows Saturday because we're go. We do all this year six games, Ross. Six games in one show, and there's three airings on Saturday morning. So that's the way it
0: works. Got it. Well, that's important to know. Yeah. So that means if you're if you're more interested in the Sunday games, DVR it, and you can watch it Sunday or whatever. You can watch it Saturday, but make sure you either watch it live or DVR. Let's start, Greg, with the game I'm going to be calling. I think it's one of the two best games, frankly. I agree. Of of the weekend. It's the Colts and the Bills. And i like to give you, at least on the first question, Greg, open-ended, what intrigues you the most of this game? Well, the only way we can talk about these games is
2: to assume that the teams and the players will play the way they've been playing. We know that sometimes that does not happen, Ross, in the playoffs. But we can't predict that. That becomes speculative. So to me, obviously, the the big side of the ball becomes the the Bills O versus the Colts D. And the Bills O is playing at a really high level. They're clearly a pass-first offense. They spread it out. Now that John Brown is back, they'll likely play with four wide at times, which would make sense in this game because the Colts are a nickel sub-defense. They rarely ever play dime, which means, obviously, they're only going to be playing with three corners. And if that's the case, and by the way, they could change. We never know in the playoffs. Things change. But if they do what they've been doing all year, they will be playing with three corners and they will need to match up at times to four wide receivers, which pretty much tells you that they'll be in some form of zone coverage and the Bills will know that. So I think that is a fascinating matchup to me.
0: So um I'm curious on a couple things here, Greg. Just studying for this game, I kind of feel like the Colts have a decent formula the way they play to win this game, in the sense that they play a lot of zone, a lot of too high. Yeah. So they they probably shouldn't the Bills shouldn't be able to get any explosive plays or many explosive plays. So they have a chance to make the Bills have to kind of drive the ball down the field. Maybe there's a penalty. Maybe there's a mistake, whatever. Rather than some of these big chunk plays the Bills have been getting. And then conversely, right now, lately they've just been feeding Jonathan Taylor. And I think with their interior O-line, I I think they try to just continue to pound Taylor, sort of play keep away a little bit from the Bills offense. I I think, you know, look, I'm not saying they're going to win the game. I'm just saying – What the Colts have been doing recently seems to me to match up decently going against – because I feel like the Bills' strength is probably their secondary, not their interior D-line. So it almost matches up well for the Colts. Two
2: points in response to what you said. Number one, I think one area that Josh Allen has dramatically improved this year is his patience. He is more than willing to throw the eight-yard ball, uh, which I think was an area that he definitely needed to improve. And he has. So that speaks to the idea that, hey, he's not just going to push it down the field, that he will be willing to take the sustaining throws when they're there. And number two is Jonathan Taylor. Now, clearly, over the last month, maybe six games, uh, Taylor's averaging close to 20 carries per game. And they've been relying on him much, much more. And you're right. Their offensive line has not quite been as good this year as in the last year or two. But it is a good O-line. It's the same group. Uh, I guess – I don't know about Costanzo. Is he out for the year or is he
0: – He is. He's gone. It'll be, it'll be Jared Valdir
2: who they said Right, right, out. Jared Valdir who played this week. And, and he was okay, struggled at times. but So it'll be Valdir. But he's an experienced player. Uh, so the question is, how will the Colts choose to play offensively? Because you get into the two philosophy point here. And this, these are philosophies. Do you play, as you suggested, to try to play keep away? Or do you feel, hey, we're going to have to score 24, 28 points. At some point, we are going to have to throw the football. Let's be proactive and throw it. So we don't know what their approach will be, but clearly Jonathan Taylor will be a
0: significant part of it. So the last question, Greg, that I have on this game, I'm not expecting Cole Beasley to play. He got hurt late in the game against the Patriots, which is really a shame. They had pulled guys like Josh Allen yeah. and Diggs, but you can only pull so many. And so he didn't play last week. They're calling him week to week, which usually means the guy's not playing because if he might play, they call him day to day, right? My question is, how much do you think that hurts the Buffalo Bills? Do you expect to see more Diggs in this slot? you think it'll be Isaiah McKenzie? And how much of a negative is that if they have to grind out first downs, um, you know, throwing the ball underneath, how much does it hurt to not have Beasley?
2: Yeah, I think that's a big factor because I think Beasley is that guy that I spoke about, the sustaining receiver. And clearly, I think that Josh Allen feels very comfortable making those underneath throws to Cole Beasley. Now, whether he plays or not, I guess we will find out. Obviously, we're speaking on Thursday. The game is that uh, that's a Saturday game, right? Saturday, 1 p.m. Yeah, I'm going yeah right that's north. the first game on the slate. So you could be right. Uh, I guess they did sign Kenny Stills, but he's not Cole Beasley, and he doesn't fit that role. He's much more of a vertical dimension. So the loss of Beasley could be a factor. McKenzie might be the guy that they try to use to fill that role.
0: Next game up, it's the Seahawks and the Rams. I said this on the Even Money podcast, Greg. I'm just not seeing a lot of points in this game. Yeah. <laughs> the Rams defense plays, Seahawks defense playing better. Uh, your thoughts in general on this game?
2: Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. I would assume it'll be Wolfer, right? Goff does not appear to be the, the quarterback. I guess we don't know that. Um, I would say you're right. Uh, let me start with this. I don't think Russell Wilson has played well for well over a month. Uh, And I think that their offense is struggling a bit with their identity right now, because they started the season with the premise of let Russ cook. And for obviously six or seven weeks, it was effective. And then Wilson sort of started to play very inconsistently. Right now, he's not seeing things particularly well. There's a little bit of an undisciplined randomness to his game. Now, every once in a while, because he does have high-level second reaction, improvisational ability, he'll still make plays. uh, But he is not playing particularly well. They get no big plays on offense. I did a study this week. Uh, DK Metcalf has had no 20-plus yard receptions in the last four games. Think about that for a second. They get no big plays on offense over the last month or so. So they are really struggling, and we know how good the Rams' defense is. Uh, they're not a man-to-man defense. They will match Ramsey on Metcalf at times, depending on the formation of the Seahawks, but you will not see that on every snap. That's not the way the Rams play. They're a split-safety, cover-four-based defense.
0: All right. Uh, What about Wolford? Got to ask you a question about Wolford. Now, they say golf is throwing. I don't think he's going to play. I think it's Wolford. What did you see from him, other than he's a complete lunatic who's not afraid of anything?
2: Yeah, I know. He was kind of fun to watch. And I don't know what they list him at height-wise, Ross, but when I watched the tape, he looked like he was about 5'5", compared to everybody else on the field. So he looked like a little guy. But, um, you know, I thought that, you know, McVay is so good at defining reads and throws I thought he did a really good job with that. What Wolford gives you, which Goff does not, are two things. He gives you the designed run game and he gives you second reaction improvisational movement. Uh, Now, they designed a couple of big plays and he just underthrew them, but they were there. One was a slot fade and one was a go route. He just underthrew them, not badly, but just enough that they were incomplete. So it's hard to make any prediction about Walford after one game, other than what the tape showed in that game. And he was kind of fun to watch. And uh, he threw the pick on his first throw of the game. And it was a pick I've seen many quarterbacks throw, young quarterbacks, uh, based on the read and, and the defense. But he settled into the game. But the the extra element that he brings
0: with his movement will become a factor in this game. Saturday night, it's the Washington football team hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Greg.
2: Yeah, I mean, to me, the most intriguing element in this game is clearly the Bucs' pass offense versus Washington's pass defense. Um, Brady is throwing the ball extremely well right now. You watch the tape, and it is coming out with juice, with velocity. I mean, he looks like he's 10 years younger right now. He is really throwing the football well. I guess Mike Evans, we don't know yet. Uh, he, we know how competitive he is. And if he can be out there, he will be out there. But their pass offense has a, an intermediate and vertical element to it that demands pass protection. And Washington, we know about their front. So the key element in this game to me is how the Bucks deploy their pass protection. Will they feel they can send all five out and block with five? Or do they feel they will need extra bodies in and then it becomes a numbers game ross you know that that's what the passing game is it's a numbers game every team would like to send all five eligible receivers out but if you can't pass protect you cannot do that so that
0: to me will be the defining element of this matchup sunday one o'clock i think it's one of the two best games just like the game i'm i'm calling saturday at one o'clock ravens titans looking forward to ravens titans Greg, I just don't I, – I don't want to paint you in a corner, but I don't see how the Titans stop the Ravens. The Titans can't play defense.
2: Well, there's a – this game's fascinating on so many levels, and we can't get into every one. But over the last four or five weeks, clearly the Ravens' offense has sort of been rejuvenated, and they've been rejuvenated quite a bit, Ross, because they've added to their run game. They have become very much a gap scheme run team now, uh, and that that includes Lamar Jackson. I'm not just talking about handing it to the backs – It's gap scheme and it's misdirection off of that. And I think one reason they become gap scheme, and you can appreciate this being, uh, I don't want to say an old offensive lineman, I'll say a former offensive lineman, (laughs) uh, is that I think their offensive line is different this year. With Marshall Yonda gone, with Ronnie Stanley out, they're not as athletic. And you know that zone schemes require more athletic offensive linemen. Gap schemes do not require the same level of athleticism as zone schemes. So I think they recognize that with their, the offensive line they're putting out now, they're not quite as athletic and they've added a lot of gap scheme principles and they've been really, really effective.
0: I was wondering what they had done to be so much better like they are now. Um, anything else on this game,
2: Greg? Well, I think you have to look at the other side of the ball, you know, uh, Derek Henry, uh, they did a good job, the Ravens' D, against Henry in the first matchup. They played week 11, and Henry then broke some runs in the fourth quarter and overtime, including the game winner, obviously. But the thing is, is in, the, in that matchup week 11, the Titans played out of some form of base personnel, two tight ends, three tight ends, a fallback, on 75% of their offensive snaps, and they kept the Ravens in their base defense. And my personal sense is, I don't think their D.C. Martindale wants to be in base. I think he likes all the pressure concepts that he can create out of sub, whether it's nickel or dime. So I'm fascinated to see if the Titans play as much base offense in this game.
0: It's a good point. Then you got the Bears and the Saints. What, if anything, intrigues you about this one? Well, I guess what intrigues
2: me, I've always been a believer, Ross, and I've been looking at tape for a lot of years and and talking to coaches for a lot of years. And I've always been a believer that coaches tell you what they feel about their quarterback by what they ask him to do. And it's very evident watching the tape that the bears offensive coaching staff understands how limited Mitchell Trubisky is. And they play to those limitations and that means to me that this game in some ways comes down to the Bears' defense. And they're obviously missing Roquan Smith. Um, so this game needs to be close. They, the, the Saints cannot run away with this because I don't think that the Bears offensively then can compete. Now, one thing I, I would look for in this game, and this is just my sense from film study, is Mitchell Trubisky is a good athlete. I would expect to see more designed runs with Mitchell Trubisky in this game. The Saints have a very good defense, a very good run defense. I don't think you can just line up and give it to Montgomery and expect that you're going to control the pace and tempo of the game. I think Trubisky needs to be a factor as a runner by design.
0: Got it. All right, that's a cool nugget, and I think that they probably will do that. Finally, we've got Sunday night. Now, yesterday we record this at 7.32 a.m. right now. Yesterday, there were no new positives in terms of COVID for the Cleveland Browns. We do know, though, that they will definitely be without their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, definitely without their left guard, Joel Batonio, which I'm nervous about, Greg, because the second, third string guards are already hurt. Yeah, I know. So now they got to have their fourth string guard against Cam Hayward, who's going to be fresh after a week off. So, and I think Cam Hayward might be the best bull rusher in the NFL. So... My, my thought would be your first reaction, first instinct on the Browns-Steelers game.
2: Well, to me, and again, all you can do is based on, on this, this season, to me the Browns' offense, for the most part, can function one way. Now, Baker Mayfield has had a couple of games where he's been really good, and he is a good thrower, so can he make throws? Absolutely. But I think for the most part, they're a team built on the run game and the pass game that works off of that with play action and play action boot. Um, I believe if Mayfield were to get in a situation where he'd have to drop back 40, 45 times because the game would dictate that, I think they would struggle in pass protection. I think you would agree with that. So I think that this game, again, I think now it falls very much on the Browns' defense. This game needs to be close so that the Browns can maintain their offensive approach. And then you get to the Steelers offense, which, you know, over the last couple of games, not not week 16, not week 17, obviously, but prior to that, when Big Ben was playing, they've struggled a bit. They had a couple of, of well-schemed plays, week 16 it was, against the Colts. Uh, but for the most part, their pass game is has been limited. We'll see with an extra week and, and study w- what they decide to do with that, but their pass game has been very limited. They'll take some shots on the perimeter, and if they hit those, it looks good. But as far as schemed pass game concepts, you don't see a lot from the Steelers. How big a deal do you think it is, Greg, that Stefanski is out for the Browns? Yeah, it's that's a hard question to answer because – You just don't know with Alex Van Pelt how he's going to approach it and and specific play calls. Look, their philosophy is their philosophy. That's not going to change. But then you get into the specific play calls in given situations, and it's impossible to know, Ross. It's just one of those things. But the philosophy,
0: the overall philosophy will not change. Yeah, you know, Alex and I were teammates in Buffalo in 03, I think he's called plays at some other point in his NFL coaching career. He I has. can't remember where or when, but I feel like he has before. So. Yeah, no,
2: he's not. He, this is not his first rodeo, but again, you simply don't know on those critical down and distance situations, You know what he calls on third and seven, what he calls if they get in the red zone, those critical situations that in games like this can often dictate who wins and who loses.
0: Make sure you check him out on Twitter, at Greg Cosell. He doesn't tweet a lot, but he retweets the things he's doing so that you can see and watch him or listen everywhere he is. We know he's here every Thursday on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. I have like 15 notes when I yeah. post it on Twitter. I don't even know. I won't, There's not enough characters for me to write down all the interesting things Greg said, but I'll do my best. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. Speaking of doing your best, I want to take a moment to share a new podcast with you guys. True Underdog, recently launched by four-time entrepreneur of the year award winner, Jason Waller. It's real. It's raw. It's motivational. If you're looking for inspiring stories and killer entrepreneurship advice, head over and subscribe to the True Underdog podcast. This guy, Jason Waller, raised in a trailer park, suffered childhood abuse, kicked out of his high school, and became a dad in his teens. You can imagine how many times he heard no and you can't. Well, he started three companies from the ground up, and his latest venture, Power Home Solar, is on the path to becoming a billion-dollar enterprise. Head over to True Underdog Podcast to hear how Jason – and his high-profile guests turn their lives around to achieve massive success. Subscribe to the True Underdog Podcast, the same place as you subscribe to this podcast. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app.
1: Good morning. Biggest news since uh, you and Andrew spoke yesterday, Ross. Uh, No new positive tests or close contacts in Cleveland with the Browns.
0: Oh, man. Today feels like a big day, Bri. Today and tomorrow feel like really big days. I am, fingers crossed, very hopeful that we don't have any more positives in Cleveland, just because I want you know them to have a, as strong of a team as they possibly can for that game. But also, I want the game to happen. I want to be able to watch it. So there's a bunch of reasons why I am hopeful that the Browns, keep your fingers crossed, everybody, they don't have any more positives today or tomorrow. We already talked with Greg, knows Stefanski, and no, Batonio is really, really rough for the Browns. And I, there's even some other guys, I don't know if they're getting back or not, that were already on the list. But it is what it is. I don't think the Steelers are going to have Joe Hayden. So, you know, that this is just the world we live in right now. Tuck takes. In
1: Miami, offensive coordinator Chan Gailey resigned, which means the Dolphins will have a third new coordinator in Brian Flores' third year as head coach next year.
0: What's really interesting about that is most people believe that Chan Gailey's system is perfect for Tua. Dolphins fans are all saying Chan Gailey stinks and they don't like him, but his system is a bunch of receivers get the ball out quick, smart quarterback gets the ball out of his hands in a couple seconds. That's Tua. Like, that's Tua's skill set. So I don't know who they're going to bring in that's going to be better than Chan Gailey. And I hope Dolphins fans are careful what they wish for because I always thought that Chan Gailey's system, from what I had heard, was kind of tailor-made for a guy with Tua's skill set, which is gets the ball quick, quick release, accurate, boom, boom, boom. Kind of the player Fitzpatrick's been a lot in his career. Tuck
1: takes. Some future pros in the news. Alabama wide receiver Devonta Smith won the Heisman, and Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence is heading to the NFL, both as expected.
0: Right. Uh, I think it's cool, really cool that a wide receiver won the Heisman. Now, if you listened to Emery Hunt on the college draft podcast, or you see it on social media at Ross Tucker Pod, you know, the highlight clip that intern Casey posted, or on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Emory Hunt thinks that Alabama has a better receiver, Jalen Waddell, who's fast as lightning, who got hurt early in the year, that might be able to play Monday night. So number one, I think it's all Devontae Smith had a ridiculous year, and I'm thrilled for him that he won the Heisman. So that's number one. And he I thought he deserved it. And I'm just glad it's a position other than quarterback, and really other than quarterback and running back. I think it's cool. But the crazy thing is they might have somebody better. That's what's really crazy. And the Trevor Lawrence video was really well done. Kudos to him for that video. You know, he's had a terrific career. He, I, I think, has really represented himself and Clemson well. And I think the Jacksonville Jaguars will be very, very happy to draft him number one overall in the 2021 NFL Draft. Ducks
1: And finally, uh, Jason Kelsey took to social media to clarify what happened on the sidelines on Sunday night while the Pro Football Hall of Fame announced their 15 finalists for 2021.
0: So Kelsey's on Instagram and he posted there was no confrontations. You know, he went up to Doug and confirmed that Sudfeld was in, Doug Peterson, and said, is everybody else staying in? And Peterson said, absolutely. Because that's actually a really good point, like, they could have benched Kelsey at that point and put somebody else in at center. You know, like, it's not like they benched everybody and they had said during the week that they wanted Sudfeld to play. So, at any rate, I thought that was a good point. And that's a really important piece of this for the Eagles that Kelsey, first of all, clarified things, didn't seem upset about it. Secondly, that, you know, remember his speech a few weeks ago about you play to win? Well, it's a real problem if Kelsey retires for the Eagles, and that was my concern, sort of, with how Monday night unfold or Sunday night unfolded, was that Kelsey would end up retiring, and you obviously don't want that to happen as a result of this. I mean, he might have been, he might have retired anyway. Uh, that's the thing. Now, now we'll never know unless we we see what happens with what he ultimately does. I'm sure if he does retire, everyone's going to speculate that that's the reason why. As far as a Hall of Fame finalist, Bry. I just want to say one thing. I think all those guys are deserving. That was my reaction to it. I think all those guys are deserving of being pro football hall of famers. All of them. So that just goes to show you how hard it is to get that list from 15 down to five. And by the way, it's supposed to be hard. Like that's what makes it so special. It's supposed to be hard. Uh Speaking of special love doing these cameo videos for you. So either Subscribe to our YouTube page and comment, and I'll pick a winner tomorrow. Or just go to cameo.com and have me do these videos. You know, a lot of people get it for their buddies for birthdays or fantasy leagues. Congratulations to themselves or to somebody else or to kind of razz some of their other people, which I love. It's fun to – like I'm getting paid. It's $25, but I'm getting paid – to uh, mess with and tease your buddies on fantasy football. That's amazing. And your fantasy football league. I love it. So hit me up on Cameo. Uh, let's get you an email, Bry. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's, here's your, your chance. chance. It's time to ask Ross. Email address, ross at com. If you ever take advantage of any of our sponsors or you just rate and review the show and take a screenshot on your phone when you do it, That counts as a sponsor confirmation email. Send it to me, ross at rosstucker.com. And if you ask a question, I guarantee I read and respond to it. We're probably going to get to a bunch on Tuesday, which is exciting. And not only that, you might win one of these cool press passes I still have or a bunch of different things you could win. A signed picture, signed card. I love giving you guys stuff just for supporting the show. What do you got, Bryce?
1: Hi, Ross. Thanks for all the great football knowledge and information that you share with us. I love the analysis from Greg, Power Rankings, and of course, the Press Box Food Reviews. My question, it's obvious that some franchises are better run than others. As a visiting team, was there a team that you always looked forward to more than most for the game day experience at the stadium? That is from David Rumfo.
0: And David's clearly talking about an away game. And David, I would say... There's one that, there's a couple that stood out negatively because the locker room was so bad. Buffalo's away locker room was really bad. Um, Try to think, Oakland's away locker room was really bad. It was just an uncomfortable experience, which by the way, they don't need to make things comfortable for the away team, but you're just like, oh gosh, that place is awful. Conversely, in terms of the, One you look forward to, it was the same one I look forward to now as an announcer, Lambeau, Green Bay, because we played there my first two years. I don't know how that happened, that I was a a member of the Washington Redskins at the time, and we played at Lambeau my first two years. Both years, when you come out after the game, there was a lady, I don't know if she's still there, but there was a lady there that would give the players brats, the away team players Brats. I remember one, the second year we were getting our butt kicked, and one of the vets was like, somebody said in the sideline, Man, I'm ready for that brat. I can't wait for that brat. So I don't know if she's still there. This was 20 years ago now, 2001, 2002. Gosh, that makes me feel old and sound old, but it's true. And it, it was awesome. So it is Lambo. They're also, the people were so nice there. Like they weren't like mean to you. It's glorious, absolutely glorious. Shout-outs are in order. Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, SteakhouseSports.com, Vision Comics with an X. All the other podcasts from this week have posted and are available. Tomorrow I'll make my picks for all six games. We'll get to another email question or two, uh, which is great. January is a great month for getting your email questions, so please keep them coming. Ross at RossTucker.com. I think we're done here.